You know, every once in a while, we'll come across an article and you just sit back and you're like, man, that actually happened. It's a really cool article uh, that came out a little bit earlier this week on theconversation.com about solar panels and Canada's tie to said solar. Uh, I, I guess you would say innovation well ahead of its time. We go overseas to, uh, this is a great story, by the way, if you want to know about true Canadiana here, and yet we get the story uh, from overseas. Dr. Sugandha Srivasta, kind enough to join me, British Academy postdoctoral fellow and lecturer in environmental economics at the University of Oxford. Doctor, does that all fit on a business card? <laughs> just about, Rob. Uh, just about. <laughs> it's very impressive, as is the article that you wrote. You know, it was really engaging, um, thinking of all the things we've done in the last hundred plus years with fossil fuels, but realizing that there could have been an alternative much earlier than what we've most recently discovered. That's right. It was honestly, um, I fell down a rabbit hole trying to look for the first solar patent. And then there was George Coase, this Canadian inventor who had already done it in 1906. Um, and I was just baffled. I, I thought I was dreaming when I saw that. I'm amazed because let's put this into context. I mean, 1906, somebody from Canada creates a solar panel that, of course, would be very environmentally friendly. And then all of a sudden, as you go down the rabbit hole, you find out that he was abducted. Yes. So you can imagine how this night was unfolding. First of all, I didn't expect a patent in solar to exist in 1906. The conventional story is that solar started during the space race, uh, or, or maybe maybe you can go back to the 1950s. So, so to see something from 1906 was already shocking. And then you fast forward and, you know, in 1909, it turns out that Cove was kidnapped and the conditions for his release were to give up the solar business entirely. So at that point, I was not even trying to be sensationalist, but the, you know, the report in the New York Herald that talked of his kidnapping, I mean, you know, the facts were there. It, it was really to, to shut down his business. <laughs> And you think of the fossil fuel industry, all that competition and all those aggressive tactics, and then all of a sudden solar pops up, but there was, uh, what is it, doctor, a 30, 40 year gap in the technology of solar? Exactly. So when it's revived, it's 40 years later. And during those 40 years, you know, standard oil and the fossil fuel paradigm has become embedded. So it's a very, very different story once, you know, solar comes back again. And I think that's the really interesting thing, because it's a different thing when you compete at the start of a race. But when one technology has already had a 40-year head start, mm -hmm. then it's a very different type of competition. We talked about him getting abducted, but was George Cove ever released? Was he found? And if he was released, how did he get out? <laughs> so he was found near Bronx Zoo. We don't know what terms they agreed to, but what we can see in the historical record is that the year after the kidnapping, the company was deregistered. Uh, there was no further endeavors related to solar. And in fact, Cove did keep inventing, but he switched to other technology. So he never revisited solar. Isn't that so something? That, that, that is the part that's shocking. And I think 
you know, if we think of the historical context of what fossil fuel companies were doing back then, we need to remember that business practices in 1906 were very different. So we don't have the type of norms and laws around responsible business conduct that we do today. In fact, you could create mega monopolies and that was fine, right? Standard Oil is one of the largest monopolies humanity has ever seen. Mm. And and today that would be illegal. We could never build an empire that large. But back then it was possible. So so I think, you know, we need to remember as modern listeners that it was a completely different world back then. You could buy out competitors. You could be very aggressive. It, it was a different time in our history. Uh, very quickly, Doctor, and I do appreciate this conversation. In your article, you used Wright's Law to hypothesize that had George not been cu- uh, kidnapped, renewable energy could have become cheaper and probably even more accessible than coal as early as 1997. How did you come to that conclusion? Right. So basically, there's this um, law that the more we make of something, the better we become at it and the cheaper it becomes. And for solar, this has been happening since the 1970s up to the present day, where with every doubling of production, there's about a 20 percent reduction in unit costs. And this is very stable, this trend. So all I do is I just do a thought experiment what if we didn't have a 40-year gap? And what if we kept working on solar from 1910 continuously? Then how much sooner would solar have become the cheapest form of electricity in the world? And it turns out that that number with a set of assumptions, comes, you know, it, it becomes 1997. In reality, when you know, solar became cheaper than coal in around 2017. So that's a very significant kind of result in terms of when solar would have become cheaper. And that matters because the technology we deploy is often the cheapest, right? Mm-hmm. We want electricity to be affordable, so we pick the cheapest technology to deploy. Well, doctor, thank you for going down the rabbit hole. Myself and my listeners, thank you for it. Let's do this again. Great. Thank you so much for having me. It's my pleasure. Dr. Suganda Srivastav, kind enough to join us from the University of Oxford. What a great story. I think I'll post that on my Twitter just to make sure. And don't forget, you can always follow up and listen to that on the podcast. If you didn't get it at the beginning, you're like, oh, that sounds kind of interesting. You can always find it at CKNW.